right, guys, at Green Mountain Dental Group, you guys can pick up a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. Look, we've all got to go to the dentist. It sucks. Nobody likes going. We hate it. But look, you've got to go. You might as well pick up a Sonicare toothbrush, a top-line electric toothbrush while you're there. Uh, Green Mountain Dental Group located just 15 minutes from downtown Denver. They're awesome people. We wouldn't be recommending them if they weren't. Uh, head there today. Schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. Walk out with a free Sonicare toothbrush. Can I, can I completely undermine what you just said, Harrison? I don't mind going to the dentist. I actually kind of enjoy it. And I, I, I used to dread it, but I'm telling you, now I'm a regular dentist goer. I have been for, and now it's just like, I walk out of there, I just feel cleaner than ever, but it's great. I, I, it's not painful, it's, it's the best. I'm a pro dentist, don't fear it, look forward to it even. Well. No. No. Strong disagree. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly how I feel about working out or something where I'm like, ah, oh, I don't want to go. No, the dentist, I'm actually like, you know what? This is kind of cool. Like I go and then it's not that bad. What, what is up, everybody? Welcome in to the DNVR Nuggets podcast, Monday edition here on the DNVR Nuggets podcast. I'm your host, Adam Matas, and I'm joined, of course, by the man who hates the dentist, it's Harrison Wynn. <laughs> oh, man, good to be back with you guys. Always always looking forward to the Monday show. Um, man, the, the draft is just... Uh, the draft is approaching quickly. The draft right. is approaching quickly. We, That's we all I can say. We think it is. We don't know. I mean, we don't know. Yeah. The season's approaching quickly. The draft's... Armageddon. We don't know anything right now. Um, also joining us, the man who hates jogging, we've just learned. It's it's uh, Brendan Vogt. I too missed you guys over that two-day break. It was long. <laughs> that didn't sound real at all. That sounded that sounded decidedly not real um, that you missed us. But it's no, I'm just kidding. I love this show. It gives me life. What did you, uh, how did Halloween go? Did you guys get some candy? I did not eat any candy. I definitely did not eat any Reese's. Definitely what? did not. Um, <laughs> yeah, I man. thought of you like, when I had my Reese's. <laughs> <laughs> you would think I would be all over it after making it the number one selection. Um, no, I uh, I did get dressed up. There is a picture of me floating around on Instagram, or was floating around on Instagram, of me dressed up in like a, a 70s outfit with long hair and a Grateful Dead shirt oh, and really tight see corduroy pants. Oh, my uh, God. This is great. <laughs> It's out there somewhere, if you can find it. Uh, it's not on my Instagram, but it, it, is, it is out there. Mm. Um, but yeah, I went to, uh, went to a couple restaurants with, with, with some friends at, uh, at a table, you know, socially distant from everybody else, had some drinks and costume. A very hard to eat and drink with long hair. <laughs> New appreciation for the amazing females out there who do it on the daily. I, yeah, I, you can't – a costume can't be, like, uncomfortable because if you're in it for, like, four or five hours, it's the worst when you have, like, a really hot wig or, like, makeup on or mask that you're just like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Vote? Well, so I have my first, like – we, we rent this house now, right? And I'm slowly turning into a dad. 
Like I just stand in the backyard with my hands on my hips and look at weed growing. And I had my first adult Halloween. We put the we we bought candy and we set it up like a nice safe distance. We put it up on the porch. Bags, please take one. And these little twerps with no costume showed up and took all of our candy. No and I went full dad mode. I chased them down and lectured them. Oh, and I said, you can awesome. keep the candy oh as long as you feel bad about it. Um, so, oh, that's, yeah. a, that's a terrible <laughs> they were, What were they like? Yeah. All right, cool. Change See you later. Your life, man. Yeah, they were like, See you next year. Dude. Yeah, thanks for the Reese's loser. And I was like, tell your parents I'm disappointed in them. And then, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm completing my transformation into a father. Dude, that's so great. And the first time you get a yard, I'm telling you, that's the ultimate dad. Like that changes you into a dad. Um, also turning in, uh, actually, I shouldn't say turning into a dad, staying very youthful. We had a uh, Wancho this weekend just up as the Joker. I got to say, kind of brought a tear to my eye. Oh, every, every time I see Wancho, like, remember in the playoffs, he kept like talking about the Nuggets and he just like, oh, God, he should be here. He should be. What's Keita Bates Diop doing? Why can't, why can't we have Wancho still? Um, <laughs> I really really hope he doesn't listen to this show, KBD, man. (laughs) He gets the short straw on this show just about every episode. Poor poor KBD. No, didn't you guys see that? Isn't that, like, touching? It's so touching, man. It's so touching. Like, you know he would love to be back here. I mean, he probably wants to play. He wanted out. He asked out because he wasn't playing. He wasn't happy here that last year. I don't think he was happy here the year before that really either. Um, He was frustrated. But – um. You would love to see him back here one day. You know? And then we got Jeremy Grant who dressed up as – and this one's funny because he dressed up as Into the Spider-Verse. And he actually did a great job. He even has like – on his Instagram, he posted it, the Into the Spider-Verse, which my daughter loves. Um, so I've seen it a hundred times. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's not bad. And he even has the like way he stands is perfect. He's like standing. Like I don't know how to describe it, but he's even mastered the sort of like posture. It's very, very impressive. I'm trying to think. So we've got some uh, we've got some spider crossover with Jeremy Grant and Bull going back to draft night. Oh, okay. Bull, yeah, the big right. spider guy. Yeah, <laughs> big big spider guy. Which which superhero would Jeremy Grant be? Mister Fantastic, the one whose arms stretch. That's the one. This is definitely uh, my wheelhouse here. Uh, let me go through yeah. all the uh, the superheroes. superheroes I know. You know, off the top of your head, <laughs> the Thor. I mean, Spider Man's not a bad bet. No, it kind of works. He's got some works. Spider-Man uh, tendencies, I feel like. Uh, he does. Um, so the big news today, guys, that we have to get to, I mean, it's not even that much news. It's a continuation. I mean, it, this it, it, this last two weeks have reminded me so much of the quarantine period between March and when, when did we start up again? Like August? It reminds me of that in that there's not. it's not that there's no news. It's just that the news is so little. It's like little tiny kernels every time that you're just like, okay, well... All right, a little tiny thing. And it always happens on Friday uh, evening at like 10 o'clock that Woj will give us a new bomb. Um, but there's some do- details. So they extended the deadline. They're supposed to know on Friday that if they don't come to an agreement, the CBA gets ripped up or whatever. And we knew that they were going to extend it, but they only extended it till Friday. And here are the details that Woj sh- shared. If there are no fans in the arena next year, which is what they anticipate, zero fans inside of the arena for the entirety of next season, if that happens, they estimate that the NBA will lose somewhere around $4 billion from next year's season. Of course, they did this for the playoffs, and that was a large loss of revenue, but it was only for, I mean, only, I put this in quotes because playoff revenue is really important, but it was only for those playoff rounds. It pales in comparison to 82 games for 30 teams. So 
four billion, that's a big number. Then they say if they delay until January, um, meaning right now the players are saying they don't want to play the hard stop. We're not doing this December 22nd. Well, they're saying if we wait until January, we lose anywhere from half a billion to a full billion dollars on that. So you're looking at $5 billion of lost revenue potentially between all of those things. The tone of that report, which of course is coming from the board of governors, from the owners and from the league to Woj, the tone of that and the numbers of that make me think that this is starting to get a little sour. I don't think this is like a, hey, let's all come together and work through this. I think this is the NBA and the board of governors saying, guys, if you, we're not doing this to be mean, but if you have to understand that we are already losing more money than you realize, and we're about to lose even more money than you realize if you take this hard stance. And to me, that's the battleground. This week, it's going to get ugly, but that's the battleground to me. There is not a, hey, let's compromise on this. It's, hey, do you guys want any money? Or do you want your money to literally be half of what you expect it to be this, this upcoming season? Am I reading into this, these reports too much, or is this kind of how you feel as well, Vote? No, I certainly get that sense. I absolutely get that sense, and it's it's such a sum of money that it is going down to trick. It is going to trickle down to the players. I think often owners throw fits over this little bit of money, and the players say, "Well, cry me a river." But this is going. This would fundamentally affect the way the league operates going forward. Yeah. These players are going to make less money, and as they already sort of postured up or threatened, or however you want to interpret Stein's report. They've already pointed out, look, the less games you play, the less money you make next season in the meantime. So okay. it, this is going to affect them too. Um, and I think it's, it's not the same as some of the quarrels between these two parties we've seen in the past where they sort of bicker over a small percentage and the rest of us say, you know, I don't care, millionaires and billionaires fighting. When it's billions on the line, um, yeah. this matters. And like you said, I think it'll get sour pretty quick. Well, I've got to think that when the players actually sit down and look at the financials and they look at how much money they'll be making if they start on December 22nd versus if they start on MLK Day and how much they'll have to be putting into escrow, which is like a whole other deal. And I really hope a lot of players have been uh, saving money they, they over this offseason. They have it. Let me just say this. This is the one thing that always blows my mind, but you hear it every single year that players, for whatever reason, don't escrow. The NBA and the Players Association have put in programs for and people in place to try to tell players, hey, this is how it works. I know it feels like you have this endless supply of cash, but you actually don't, and you need to plan it. And players never do. They, they're Not all of them, but some of them. There's always some who don't. So I know it sounds funny, and I don't expect anybody to feel sorry for it, but there are players out there that don't realize that, hey, you have expenses that exceed what you're probably going to make this next year unless you, mm -hmm. unless you really change because that, number, that faucet is getting shut off a lot more than I think a lot of people realize. Right. So, I mean, what could happen is players would have to put like 40% of their playing salary into an escrow. 40%. Um, and like Steph Curry, who's supposed yeah. to make $43 million, would only come out with, you know, $25.8 and that's before taxes, obviously. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think they've been saving, but I hope they, they were. They, hopefully they got some good advice on that front, like months and months and months ago. But I've just got to think when, you know, the hard figures come out about what they could be pocketing uh, starting on Christmas versus, versus starting on MLK Day, um, I think 
everybody will come to a consensus that it's going to be Christmas. It's also why I hope all these tiers of players are really represented in these talks and by the Players Association, because <laughs> that tier below stardom, I know yeah. we laugh because we know the answer. Yeah, These guys aren't – like that's going to be a real hit into their salary, and then they're they're not falling back on 10 years of endorsement money, right? right. They're not the top-tier stars in the league. So as you said, mm-hmm. these are guys who – probably you know some of them might have been spending as if they're they're confident 15 mil per year is coming in over the next two three years and it's not going to be that yeah. number so that's and, and, and you've worried about and you've also got to think about like you said vote the bottom tier guys who already are going to be getting squeezed when free agency happens this year like the mason Plumleys of the world and right. mason is actually a guy who i'm pretty uh confident has been really smart with his money but guys like that who will be signing this offseason for substantially less than they were likely playing on last year. I mean, a lot of like backups could be signing for, for minimum deals because I just don't think a lot of teams are going to be spending. I think there are going to be very few teams who are going to be in the luxury tax uh, this coming season, just with all the financial security uh, when it comes to owners around the league. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it's precarious for sure. Another part of that report from Woj was that the Board of Governors is getting an impatient, meaning I think that there's a feeling, in large part, and again, we have to remember, LeBron James has such a large influence over the Players Association, and he just wrapped up. So I think there's, there's this sense of, well, why are we being thrown into this so quickly and this or that? And I think the Board of Governors is saying, guys, we don't have time to negotiate. This isn't a, hey, let's take the month of November to figure this out. This is a, we already extended one deadline that we set because we felt like that deadline was important. We can't extend it again. I, I really do feel like they need to come to an agreement this week. I've heard people throw out maybe two weeks. Maybe they'll extend it another week after this one. But at some point, you just can't extend it anymore because then you start affecting the way that there's just no more time for you to make these decisions. Well, yeah, unless you're bumping the draft back, right? That's the sort right. of thing you bump up against. You can't. I just don't. I can't imagine that happening. And then to complicate things, guys. This is going to be one of the most stressful weeks, I think, for everybody because oh, yeah. as much as the NBA <laughs> needs to figure things out, there's an enormous election that is going to affect the world right this week. It doesn't seem like it's going to go – I mean, who knows? But it doesn't seem like it's just going to be a regular typical old election <laughs> where we just like have it and then we move on. So I, I, worry, Good that, could take. I worry that this week might create um, – that, that it just happens to be converging at the worst possible time, that it's going to be even harder – and throw a larger wrench into the NBA's ability to kind of move on. So I say all that, and you can kind of see the tone in at least my, my voice. I'm a little worried for this week on an NBA schedule. I'm not even trying. I don't want to bring the other half of that into the show today. <laughs> but I'm a little worried about the NBA this week because the NBA and the board, the board of Governors and the Players Associations have been largely cordial in the Adam Silver era. We have never seen it get contentious the way I think it's going to get this week if they can't come to a resolution and there's a lot of obstacles too so um, that's not to say I expect a lockout or this or that I just I don't I don't see this going smoothly this week yeah well I mean financially speaking it definitely feels like the owners have a lot of power over the players right now why um just in terms of the money aspect like everybody knows that you know, the Christmas Day games bring in so much money for the league that it's almost like, why is it, can we have a season if if we don't have the Christmas Day revenue? 
Right. Because if we don't, the BRI, the basketball related income is going to be, you know, so low. I mean, who knows what that means for, for like the future of the salary cap and whatnot, how long can they artificially inflate it? So it, it almost feels like everybody knows we, we've got to get something done and the players are, I feel like are kind of at a disadvantage here. Well, with each, with each day, the players don't play. Right. I mean, it's, it's one less check they get more or less. So they don't have much leverage here at all. It's also another weird thing is I'm looking at dates here. If you do push back to MLK day, you know, you do miss out on Christmas. You do miss out on some of trying to build that momentum right as the NFL is in the playoffs, which I know is a little bit, it would be a little bit tough anyway. But if you start on MLK Day, you've got the inauguration the next week. Shortly, uh, one week after that or two weeks after that, you have the Super Bowl. So you kind of begin at a point where the I think the world will be pretty distracted. Um, so I, I, you also also just might be a terrible time in general to start the NBA that also hurts ratings. So I don't, I don't know. It's a really tough one. But let's move on because I do think that over the coming days, we will get more and more details. Um, but I just wanted to set the stage on this Monday about where the state of the NBA is at this very moment. But let's take a break. On the other side of this break, though, we're going to talk about some of the latest draft profiles that um, Harrison and Brendan have been working on over the last couple of days, including Xavier Tillman. Very curious to hear some thoughts about him. And then in the end, we're going to talk about our predictions for who will be the top five scorers on the Denver Nuggets next year. I'm excited for that one, too. Very excited. Well, as Adam just alluded to, um, could be a stressful week, could be a stressful weekend, could be a stressful next couple of weeks. Might just be Pick a up some Breck Brew. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pick up some Breck Brew to, uh, to get you through this week. And make sure to check out the Palisade Peach uh, from Breck Brew, number one on my Breck Brew beer power rankings right now. Pick it up at your local liquor store. Uh, Do the rest of your power rankings right now off the top of your head. The rest of my Breck Brew beer power rankings. Um, Number two, I will go Strawberry Sky. Okay. Um, number three, Mango Mosaic. Good, good, good. Definitely the most popular beer that I've had at the DNBR bar. I think um, we, so we like these. You like the fruity ones. So you have the Palisade Peach, the Strawberry Sky, and the Mango Mosaic. <laughs> Plus, he likes his he likes his IPAs hot pink. <laughs> I think I got it. Um, number four, um, Colorado Core. I haven't had one in a while, but right, I, I so love it. Apple beer, all right. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about the core. Another going. fruity beer. Um, number five. <laughs> I think I'm out of the. I think I'm out of the fruit beers, uh, or I haven't had any of the other fruit beers from Breck Brew. Um, number five. Go with the Mountain avalanche. Beach. Oh, damn. Oh, you the Mountain Island. Beach. Yeah. Uh, it's oh, a sour. That. It's a little different. It's a little like, different for me. I'm going to go uh, just the avalanche, the, the, the old and reliable avalanche amber. That one's good, too. Uh, so, yeah, make sure to pick up all those from uh, Breck Brew. Also, I heard through the grapevine we've got a WGT event coming up this week slash this weekend. Uh, should be announced uh, pretty soon here. So make sure to download WGT from dnvrgolf.com. And then what you got to do is search for the DNVR 300 Club. Uh, that way you'll automatically be entered uh, into our upcoming tournament this week. You can compete against all of us, compete against uh, the DNVR community online. Uh, WGT is the official gaming partner of DNVR. So make sure to download that game. 
WGT World Golf Tour, and then search for the DMVR3 Country Club. All right, back here on the DMVR Nuggets podcast. Let's get into some of the scouting reports here. Harrison, right before we went live today, you published one on a guy that I think a lot of people are very, very intrigued by, Xavier Tillman. Um, when you were yeah. researching him, actually, first give us a little bit of the broad strokes. I want people to go ahead and read the article, but what are the broad strokes notes on, uh, on him? Yeah, so Xavier Tillman, 6'8", uh, big man who's probably a center at the NBA level, played some four at Michigan State, but he's probably a center. Um, 7'1", wingspan, so not a super long guy, but he did block a lot of shots in college, averaged above two blocks a game. Um, Big what 10 defensive is, player. is he in the NBA? I just, like I just said, I think oh. he's a center. Oh, center. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um, he just won Big 10 Defensive Player of the Year um, last season, was one of the better defenders in college basketball last year, was one of just three players to average more than 13 and a half points, 10 rebounds, one steal, and two blocks per game. Um, he's huge. Uh, 245 pounds. Uh, he's got an NBA body. He can defend post-up bigs right now. I think that's the number one thing about him. Um, there's a lot to like, but uh, just like his interior defense, he's going to be a brick wall on the block. He's really strong. He has good like defensive technique uh, when defending in the post. Um, like I said, he blocked a lot of shots in college, but he's not like a north-south jumper. He's not like a high flyer. He's He's huge, like I just said. Um, and he's a really high IQ defender as well. So for a team that could, you know, be defending Anthony Davis a lot in the playoffs over the next couple of seasons, Xavier Tillman might be like the best post-up defender in the draft. Um, so I, I think he's an interesting prospect. The short wingspan, when you just talk about Anthony Davis, like one of the things that pops out when you watch Anthony Davis play is that like face-up jumper, the release is so damn yep. high. <laughs> like, yep. I, you almost have to be bull bull to be able to contest it or, or, or whatever. Um, what about this one? We keep talking about players that whoever Denver were to draft, they probably wouldn't play. And I get the sense that Tillman is a little bit more of a like out of the package ready guy. Like he, he has a role player floor to him. Um, mm-hmm. But I still don't, can't imagine even he would break Denver's rotation first year. Do, do you think so? Well, there's so much uncertainty uh, kind of with the front court right now. Yeah. I think in a pinch, he's one of the more ready to play guys kind of in like the 20 to 35 range where he's projected to go right now. I mean, Paul Millsap, Mason Plumley, Noah Vonley, uh, those are Denver's right now, three primary backups at the four and five spots. They're all free agents uh, this off season. So, I mean, we think Denver will try to bring at least, you know, two of those guys back. Um, so they should have depth there, but you know, you never know. And if you're just looking at the first round and even into the second round, he is, he does seem like one of the more ready guys um, to play. And he also seems like a guy that Michael Malone would love. Um, like he's a big time hustle player. He dives on the floor for loose balls. He's a great screener as well. And uh, he just plays really hard. Um, so, so those, those are kind of the, the broad strokes about him. Michigan State pedigree, right? Like they, these guys all have that. It's funny because we always do the European thing where it's like, oh, he reminds me of a Dirk or because it's, it's a white guy from Europe. And that this one, I think a lot of people want to say like, okay, a Draymond, you know, like some type of high level Michigan State defender. 
Um, but it may, it, there's a reason for that too in college. Oftentimes programs do develop certain characteristics and traits. Yeah, and actually in, in a bit of a similar vein to Draymond, not saying he's Draymond or going to be anything close to Draymond, but one of the skills that really jumped off the page when uh, just looking at his film or jumped off the screen his passing is uh, pretty impressive for like a six eight guy who's who you know looks like a bruiser. Um, like he's really good passing out of the short roll, which is like almost a required skill set if, if you're going to be a rolling big in the NBA these days. Yeah. Um, so so that was really encouraging. And you know the the biggest question you have about him, um, you have a feeling he's going to be a good defender, uh, post defender. He rebounds like really aggressively too he hits the glass hard the biggest question probably is three-point shooting um was not a three-point shooter in college career 70 percent free throw shooter so not like totally awful for a big um but not great either i don't think his shot is broken but it's definitely going to take some time um that that's kind of the biggest question mark on him i compared him i see a lot of similarities like a Derek favors type well, here's my question, When What are the chances that he could turn into a four at the next level? Because I do worry about him as a six eight, not particularly long guy at center um, in the modern NBA, even if he is like this this great, you know, skilled uh, post-up defender. I do worry about that size. And then also when you mention a high IQ defender who can pass well, I kind of think, well, that's that's what do we think about that long-term as power forward if and as Paul Millsap phases out of Denver? Is there any chance we can get this guy on the floor with Jokic? Yeah, uh, I mean, potentially. I think he could fit next to Jokic and and kind of like the dunker spot and, and play that Millsap role. But, I mean, it, the three-point shooting was going to be huge mm. for him. Um, like, if he doesn't improve his three-point shooting, I think he really has a pretty defined ceiling. And um, I, I don't even know if he's like uh, – if he could potentially be a starter, I think he like might max out as like a really good third big. Gotcha. Um, mm. So in that, like, he, I think he has limited upside, but you know, if a team is looking to hit like a single or a double instead of a home run uh, at the end of the first round, I, I think he could make some sense there, but most likely I, I think he's an off the bench big. We can move on. I, I, you talking about Millsap and moving on, it just it brought up – we've talked a lot about, like, what does Millsap want. I haven't thought about this until you were talking, but, you know, we're in a pandemic. We're, I, I think that by the time free agency arrives, which we don't know what that will be, let's just say it's the end of November, early December, mm-hmm. well, around the country things are trending in. It looks like we're going to be headed for either a lockdown or tighter restrictions or just, you know, a little bit – it doesn't look like it's trending in the right direction. I wonder if – how much if Millsap were to move he has kids right now in school you move do you bring your family with you ask them to go to a whole new place where they might not even have school to make friends and further just complicate they like I know for me as a parent the idea if I was like hey honey uh, either I'm gonna move to a different state and you're gonna stay here during a pandemic with the kids and that's on you and I'll be over here like I just can't imagine doing that so we talk a little bit about Millsap and his motivation, but I honestly think that there's a really good chance that these other factors play even more into those types of decisions for Paul Millsap. And I say all that to say, I just think the odds of him returning specifically because he has kids are just so high yeah. and, and, and maybe even on a favorable deal or, or what have you. So I don't know, just thinking about those things and like you actually put yourself in those shoes. 
I don't, if you were a kid, say you're in seventh grade and your parents are like, Hey, we're moving to a completely new state. I know Miami has interest. We're going to Miami. You've never been there and you have to change schools, but we're schools online and you're not going to have any friends. That'd be a really, that'd be a bump. And by the way, we'll be making less money this year than usual. And who knows if the season finishes. Right. Um, so do we have another scattering report from over the weekend? I think vote. Didn't you get one up on Friday? I think Wynn had another one up on Friday. Oh, yeah, I, I talked about this guy a little on Friday show, but um, Robert Woodard out of Mississippi State, um, he's another guy who's probably projected to go a tad lower than um, Denver's draft slot at 22. He's like a late first, early second guy. Um, three and D guy. Uh, he's 6'7", 230 with uh, a seven one wingspan, so – He's got great size for the three. And one thing that you think about him is he's going to really be able to defend uh, when he gets into the league. So, you know, talking about going up against Kawhi, Paul George, LeBron, Harden, Luka, uh, this is a guy who could seemingly uh, defend those guys. And, I mean, I think if you throw Robert Woodard into, like, an NBA rotation next season, he's pretty much going to give you what Torrey Craig gave you last year. And, I mean, I'm more confident in his shot than, you know, I was with Torrey Craig's, uh, you know, when Torrey Craig was getting signed as a, you know, free agent out of Australia. Um, So I like Woodard as like a a fringe first round, second round guy. Uh, Pretty smooth on offense. And he's like a really strong and powerful athlete as well. So um, I think he's intriguing, but, you know, doesn't just have the natural skill that you usually look for when you're drafting, you know, like at 22. He's not as naturally talented as a lot of the guys that are projected to go in that range. But, you know, he's got the body. He's got the defensive upside. Uh, he shot it well last year, although it was the first year he shot it well from three. Um, so he, he's got a lot of tools. All righty. Well, should we hit another break and then get to the other side? We're going to have obviously more coming up uh, throughout the week. We'll continue to kind of hit these draft profiles. Also have some guests on to kind of share there. I've, we've had a couple different ones for the draft and everybody has a little bit of a different perspective, which I kind of like. So um, it's always nice getting a wide range of opinions, but let's hit a break on the other side though. We're going to wrap up with something fun. We're going to try to predict who we think will be the top five scorers on the Denver Nuggets next year. It should be interesting. I think we're all going to have different lists, but first let's hit a break. Green Mountain Dental Group, uh, Adam's favorite activity every six months, going to the dentist. They are located in Lakewood. They're the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area. They are also extreme Colorado sports fans, uh, just like us. A bunch of us here at DNVR have gone there to get our teeth cleaned, cavities filled, wisdom teeth pulled. Um, Great experience, great people. Uh, and it's a great place to get your dental work done. They are giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush when you guys schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. So make sure to hit them up today. Again, located just 15 minutes uh, from downtown Denver. So check out Green Mountain Dental Group. And also, uh, a lot of longtime listeners have probably taken advantage of that first time Strava Craft Coffee uh, promo code where you, can get tw- where you can get 20% off. Well, now you can get 20% off a Strava Craft Coffee subscription and 20% off any product you are subscribing to. You can get your coffee every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks. And like I said, 20% off any product you are subscribing to with Strava Craft Coffee. Of course, it's got loads of CBD, uh, which can help cure long-term migraines if you got that, uh, back pain, arthritis, 
IBS, aches and pains, uh, you can get 20% off any product you are subscribing to with a Strava Craft Coffee subscription and get your coffee every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks. Back here on the DMVR Nuggets podcast. So all week, I think we're going to be doing a top five prediction for next season. This is early. We probably will do this again as the season gets closer, but it's kind of fun before the draft, before free agency to kind of take stock of where we think everything is. And we look at the top five scores. So last year, Jokic scores 20 points per game, 19.9. The last game he barely scored inside the bubble really screwed him over because he barely scored any points and it dropped him below 20. But let's just call it, let's round up 20 points per game. That is incredible. 19.9. Wow. I'm sure it was like 19.992. <laughs> That didn't guess. That didn't not get past the fire Malone portion of Nuggets Twitter. They they picked up on that. Really? When the start when the starters didn't play in the fourth quarter of those games, and Yoke finished at nineteen point nine. Then we got Jamal Murray at eighteen and a half. Will Barton at fifteen. Jeremy Grant at twelve. Paul Millsap at eleven and a half. Gary Harris at ten and a half. So first off the top, there were six players that scored in double figures next year, which. I think it's just going to always be an identity of this Denver Nuggets team. I think there are always going to be roughly six, if not seven players. Because if you even go further than that, Michael Porter at 9.3, Monte Morris at 9, Malik Beasley at 8. That's a lot of guys to score close to double figures, man. Um, I think that's probably going to be the case going forward. But I don't know because Jamal Murray's kind of emerged. So let me um, let's start off of the top here wind why don't you give us your list first of the top five scores and what you think they're going to score next year uh so i had jamal murray first uh, i think he'll overtake Jokic next year and you know average maybe like 23 uh, i think he's going to take a pretty wow. big jump i think he's going to take a pretty big jump. jump like that that's big 18.5 to like 23 um it's huge it's enormous. Uh, I think it's enough to potentially get him in like the all-star game. So I, I think a lot of what we saw from bubble Jamal was real. Uh, so I, I've got him number one. I've got yoke number two uh, still. Uh, th- this, this was a tough one, um, but I've got him two, average around 20 last year. I could see that taking a slight step back but you know not much I'd say he he'll average anywhere between like 18 and a half and 20 okay and uh I've got Michael Michael Porter Jr. third um obviously projecting him to start and you know have a huge minutes increase and uh I, I could see him like averaging uh like 16 and a half to 18 and a half points per game I really could uh, fourth, I've got Jeremy Grant, and then fifth, I've got Will Barton. And wow, uh, that one surprises me. Yeah, so I mean, Will Barton, fifteen point one last year per game in thirty three minutes. Jeremy Grant, twelve points per game in twenty six and a half minutes. I mean, I just think their minutes will be kind of flipped, where Jeremy is going to be yeah. the guy averaging, you know, thirty three. Barton's probably going to be the guy averaging twenty five to thirty. Um, so I, I just, I just think with more minutes. Uh, more points will go to one of those guys. I wonder if Barton, though, will score more as a primary option with the second unit. Um, mm. So maybe less minutes, but more minutes as the guy. Um, and so I had Barton four and Jeremy five. You had the exact same list. What about points? Let's go off the top here. Murray, so he had 23. 
points per game. What what do you think for Murray next year? Yeah, I had I had twenty two. Mm. Um so a little more modest, but it's a ballpark, man. Uh, I think Jamal's gonna be that guy. I also that's isn't that more or less the leap that Brandon Ingram took this season in the regular season? I would have to look at his numbers, but I think it was something like that. And after what we saw in the bubble, I just I just expect that from Jamal as well. So interestingly enough, he was so great in in people wonder if it's because of the bubble, like no travel, mm-hmm. no fans. And next year, if there's no fans, it might also lend itself once again to you know better shooting, just a little bit less, you know. Of that distraction or whatever motion. That's a really good point. Yeah, especially because mm-hmm. consistency is, is the knock, right? So. And it sounds like one of the things the NBA's talked about is playing like series. So maybe you'll end up playing like five straight games at one arena, go somewhere else, play four straight at that arena or whatever. So there would be a little bit of that not traveling in between games like usual. I got a big yoke at two, and I think he's going to come in at 20 on the dot. Um, <laughs> He'll get it this year. I think he gets it this year. And then uh, MPJ, I think like 18 sounds right to me. Um, I don't know if that's optimistic. Uh, There's going to be nights where he scores like 35. What what are the chances um, Michael Porter leads the Nuggets in scoring next year? Like if I told you that, if I said I looked into a crystal ball, you guys, you're not going to believe this. uh, How big of a shock would that be? uh, I mean, I'd give it maybe like – 10% 10% chance at the most of happening. That's kind of high. So, 10% almost feels high. Uh, so it'd be a surprise for sure, but it's not off the table by any means. I mean, he's going to be playing. You've got to think like 25 to 30 minutes a night. Um, we know he's going to look to score. <laughs> we, we know he's going to have a quick trigger out there. Um, so here's, the, here's the thing, though. Who on this team do you think scores the most effortless? I would say it's between Michael Porter and Jokic. It's probably Yoke. Probably Yoke with Michael Porter right behind. I mean, Michael Porter just stumbles into points. And yeah. then who do you think is more most focused on scoring on the team? It might be Michael. I mean, like, Murray is a gun, you know, can be a gunner too, but I still feel like Murray's always sort of in control or this or that. Right. Well, well that's, that's the reason why I think Yoke, Yoke scoring might just take a tiny bit of a dip. Um, because he's the main guy I could see uh, giving up a little bit of the scoring reins for MPJ. My, here's my question for you guys. If MPJ leads the team in scoring next season, is that good news? Is that bad news? It's probably bad. I mean, it depends on how it happens, but my guess is the most likely route to that happening would be bad news. I just mm. – Be an injury. No, no, I don't – well, okay, that, that even that aside, I just mean – Michael Porter, the, the question with him is he so almost certainly transforms this team in such drastic ways that I don't know that you can go through that transformation in one sort of weird season. Um, for, for a while there, we thought we could do it in one seeding round. And then it was like, okay, clearly that's not going to happen. So I just feel like the next two seasons in a lot of ways are about slowly changing the identity of this team. Remember, it used to be Jokic. It was him. And over two years, it really became Jokic and Murray. I just think it's going to take another season and a half. I mean, it's going to, they're going to be like real progress throughout this next year. I just don't think we're going to fully arrive at the Michael Porter 24 points per game that I think we arrive at eventually. I just think that's a two-year process. Hmm. Agreed. Good point, Adam. Astoundingly good point. Wow, no so good. You know it's a great point when everyone just kind of like is speechless, just so mm. taken, taken with it. Um, all right, who was your four? You had Grant and then Barton? 
I flipped it. That's where my list oh, was okay. different. Barton. I had, um, yeah, and I think it's going to be probably 13 or 14 for Barton. Okay. And, wow. and 11 or 12 for Grant. Okay. So my list, I have Jamal Murray number one as well. And I have him at 21 and a half points, which is lower than you guys. I think 23 and 22 respectively. I went 21 and a half, um, which would be a pretty noticeable increase. Here's the thing. I'm not convinced Jamal Murray is going to be a consistent scorer. I think he's going to be more consistent than ever. But number two, I also just think that Murray, and I'm, maybe I'm just being hopeful on this, I don't know that he's going to be a gunner next year. And I think Denver has so many offensive weapons, especially with the addition of Michael Porter, that I just think there's going to be nights where it's Jokic and MPJ and, sure. or Jokic and Barton. And, you know, and, and there's just going to be some nights where that third score, whichever one of the three it is, takes a massive step back. So I think we're going to see nine-point games from Jokic, 12-point games from Murray, 12-point games from Michael Porter Jr., and those just won't be that irregular. So, well, mm. I think Murray will be a noticeably better scorer next year because he was a noticeably better scorer in the playoffs. I do think something clicked for him. I think his efficiency will be better. I think his he'll have more big – I think he's going to have more 30-point games than ever before, but I don't know that it's going to drag up his average as much as, as, as you guys seem to. Um, I have Jokic taking a step back scoring-wise. I think he goes to 19 and a half. Great efficiency. Passing is going to be through the roof. I think overall health of the offense, great. But I think it's going to be roughly the same. The other thing to think about with Jokic, this is a lot of basketball for him over the last couple of years. And if this is a compact season, I could just see him mm-hmm. <laughs> I could see him coasting a little bit or the minutes being lower. I also just wonder if how many seasons Jokic is going to average you know, over 22 points per game. I don't, I don't know that he's going to be a volume scorer other than the playoffs. I think he will be in the playoffs, but I just don't know that he's going to be a 24, 25 point per game guy. I think he's a 20 point per game scorer. Couldn't you see it kind of trending down as Denver's half court offense gets healthier and more potent? Yeah. You know, like it, Jamal and, and MPJ get worked into this thing. Like, I, I think you kind of want to see it maybe less at 22 and more at 18, more efficient, more assists, you know? Yeah. I, I think he would too. <laughs> I think he yeah. would that. I, I mean, when, when the Nuggets offense has been operating at its healthiest, he it, it's not on the nights when Yoke is scoring 40 or yeah. even 30. It's when he's putting up like 18, 12, and 10. You know, th- those right. are the nights right. when yeah. the, the Nuggets offense is just, you know, the well-oiled machine. It's funny that all three of us have Murray number one when Murray has never scored more points than Jokic, yet we all have that. And by a noticeable amount, I think I have him two points. You guys each have him like two or three points, so that's kind of interesting. Now, I have Michael Porter higher than you guys do. I have him at 19.1 points, point one. Um, I, I, just think, I just think he scores so easy. If we just look at the games that he played like 25 or more minutes, I mean, it yeah. was rare that he didn't have at least 15 points. And I think next year he plays 30 minutes a game. So it's so easy for him. I think players almost always take the biggest leap between their freshman and sophomore seasons. And I just, I, I'm just such a believer in Michael Porter's offense more than I, his scoring more than I am in his ability to make an impact or whatever, which I'm still very high on. I just think he's going to put up points and hopefully that results in nugget being better. Um, my next one is Barton. And I have him at 10.6 points. Oh, wow. A huge, huge drop. A couple factors here. Number one, I don't know how much he's going to play. Let's be honest. That injury, to me, happened back in March or end of February. 
I don't know that he is close to being back to normal. He might be over the hill. I think he's 29. We might have seen the best Barton from an explosion standpoint. And God, with Michael and with Michael Porter, I'm not saying he'll be bad. I just wonder if he has a much lower usage as a scorer before. And I wonder yeah. if he can segue into a little bit more of a sometimes score all-time facilitator and driver and slasher. Um, and then I have Jeremy Grant at 10 and a half. What's interesting about this is you get 20 points basically from your top three guys, which is more than Denver has had over the last few years. But then you get lower from everybody else. And I think that like Monte and Gary, those guys' numbers will be pretty consistent right around nine points per game. I just think those other two will be a little bit lower as well. I think Denver becomes even more balanced after that top three. Yeah, I definitely think we're trending in the direction where there's more balance. Uh, the, the only reason I had Jeremy averaging a little bit higher of a point total um, than you guys is like, like, I just think the fact that he scored 12 points a game in 26 and a half minutes last year, um, just by playing like five, five minutes a game, I, I, five minutes more per game with Jokic, with Murray, uh, I, I just think he's naturally going to just going to score in, in the minutes he's playing. He, he's going to be wide open a lot. Yeah. He's going to be open in that one. Man, you might have sold me. I might. The only thing about Jeremy is his points, he doesn't get that many easy ones. Like, he doesn't get a lot of putbacks. He doesn't get a ton of, like, slashes. You know, so he gets a lot of spot-ups. But I don't know that he's right. going to be able yeah. to elevate the spot-ups. But you are, your point about 26 minutes per game and 12 points, that's a great one. You yeah, that's a good me. one. You kind of sold me. I'm putting, I'm putting Grant above. I, you, you've convinced me to put Grant above Barton and change my mind. I'm up there. 12 and a half points. I'll go to I'll go to twelve. I'll keep it at twelve. Hey, you but you did the other thing. You bummed me out on Will. I'm probably too optimistic. I got to drop it down two points. I could see him having a lot of load management next year. A lot of games where he yeah. oh Nuggets are up ten. Barton doesn't play the fourth tonight. Um, Which is crazy because like for the better part outside of the injuries, of course, for my tenure here, it's been like, hey, did you notice Barton played forty again tonight? Right. Oh yeah, so many of those. So, yeah, totally. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in today. That was a fun conversation, guys. Um, we're going to be back all week with brand new stuff tomorrow. Take your mind off of maybe we'll go live tomorrow. We should have that conversation. Maybe we'll go live tomorrow. Try to take it. Tomorrow's going to be such a stressful day. I'm sure people can use a little break from uh, from all of that to talk. We should just fantasy draft, man. Let's just fantasy draft something. <laughs> yeah, we should. For now. Tomorrow. Uh, but we'll, we'll tune in. We'll come up with something fun, guys. Uh, hopefully, you'll join us and, and um, get away from things for a little bit. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We will see you next time. Before we get out of here, uh, guys, MSU Denver Online has been doing the online education thing forever. They've perfected teaching classes and, and giving students the education online, and that's the only option a lot of us have these days. So take advantage of it. Uh, if you're a freshman going to college for the first time, or maybe you're trying to finish up your degree, check out their entire class list, msudenver.edu backslash online. A couple of us here, uh, me included, took a class at MSU Denver Online last summer. It was an awesome experience. And like I said, the teachers who teach classes at MSU Denver Online have been teaching online forever. So they know how to effectively teach online and really get that information to you. Again, check out their entire course list, msudenver.edu backslash online.